So I oftentimes, when I'm looking at the internet during the week, I get these weird, you know, here's the funniest tweets on marriage this week, and I'm like, eh, whatever. But I saw one this week that I loved. I'm probably going to get in trouble for it. I will just say that right now. And some of you may as well, because you might agree with me. Being a husband means that sometimes you're required to answer questions like, what's the name of the guy from the place who does the thing? Right? So marriage was a little bit on my brain. Last week, uh, Beth and I were not here. We spent a week in Denver doing strange assortment of things, but it ended with a wedding. Our friend Pierce, who, and a lot of you will remember Pierce, he lived with us for like four months, two years ago when he did his student teaching with our son, little skinny guy, big beard, huge beard, big beard. Anyway, Pierce got married last weekend, and we were pretty excited about it. Sorry, we were pretty excited about it, and so we went to the wedding, and um, you know, going to a wedding now, I have to just say, my uh, my mother just, she has the thing that things need to go a certain way all the time. And she doesn't understand <laughs> when they're different. And why would you have more than three attendants? And why would you get married outside in Colorado in the summer? Because it's going to rain. And, you know, why would you get married on a Sunday? And why would you do all this kind of stuff? And so we put all that aside, and said, oh, we're going to go to Pierce's wedding. Um, and it was lovely, and it rained on us while we were there, but that was okay. It didn't rain too hard until the service was over, and by then we were in the little canopy shelter thing for the reception. But um, the thing that struck me was, even in the middle of all this weird stuff, as my mother would put it, it was still a wedding, and they still got married. And they said something, and these weren't the exact words, but they said something similar to, do you, Pierce, take Lene to be your wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward until death do you Anybody here who's married probably has said something very similar to that somewhere between a year ago and 50-something years ago, depending on where you fall on that spectrum. But this is a pretty common statement that people make, and it's a pretty common commitment that people will make as they declare how they are going to live as a couple and as a family and what they want to accomplish as a couple and as a family. So, I was telling Chris, I didn't intend for this sermon to go where it's going, but it's going there, so hold on. Um, I've been spending a lot of time, you know, last week John and I were here and they talked about this journey that they went on. Well, I'm going to share a little bit about a journey that I went on, and I've been going on, and it has to do, and it's all wrapped up around vision statements and mission statements. 
And whether you know it or not, next week at family camp, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about our vision statement and mission statement for this church and for this body. And so I have to tell you, I struggle with the concept of vision and mission statements. We have one at the Wyoming Department of Transportation. Um, it says, uh, vision statement, excellence in transportation, and a mission statement to provide a safe, high-quality, and efficient transportation system. Now, I'm not going to argue or debate that with anybody today, whether we are accomplishing that as a department. But that's what it is. And, you know, essentially, I spent some time over the last several months looking. You know, mission statement basically is what an organization is currently doing, and the vision statement is kind of what the organization wants to accomplish into the future. Now, the thing about them, you know, when I read excellence in transportation, I think, well, duh. I mean, we don't want to have a vision statement that says, eh, okay, transportation. It's like those commercials. And again, commercials are lost on me because I never know what they're advertising. But it's the ones where the guy is like, well, you're the best surgeon in town. He's like, well, I'm one of the surgeons in town. And it's like, you want to have the best. But anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. But um, the thing is about mission and vision statements is a lot of times they just, you read them and you go, ah, okay. I don't see there's any earth shaking or earth shattering about that. But what's important about them is they serve a very important purpose for us in that unless I declare that that's what my statement is, I have no responsibility to live it, none whatsoever. And we're going to next week talk about that as a church, and we're going to be talking about, you know, what our vision is and the purpose that they serve aside from making us um, claim it, I guess, the word, but it also gives us a framework by which we can make all of our decisions, by which we can look around as a church and we can go, hey, we want to do this. Does this fit what our vision is? Maybe. Okay, yeah, it does. And we can proceed, and it helps us keep focused on where we're trying to go. So we've been going through this vision and mission thing as a board for, I don't know, I feel like half my life, but it's really probably been four months. Um, anyway, and we're pretty excited, and you all get to see it, and you'll get to hear it, and um, you're going to go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense, because I'll just, I'll give you a little peek now. It's not anything crazy, um, but it can be earth-shaking. But what got me thinking on the side is, do I have a mission statement for my own life? Do I have a thing that I have declared, this is my mission, or this is my vision? This is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. This is where I want to be. This is where I'm going. Um, you know, we're lucky because um, I think that this is important that we have some kind of a statement, some kind of framework we live our life on. And luckily, God provided us with a blueprint, and it's called the Bible. 
So um, let's pray, and then I will continue. Lord God, as we just spend a little bit of time right now looking at your word that you have sent to us and given to us, Lord, so that we might um, live for you, honor you, and just do what you want us to do. Father God, just open our hearts and our minds, Lord. Help us to, to, uh, to just see your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, as I went through this, it's like, you know, there's a lot of things that I can do, and I can say, you know what, God? I think I'll take that one. Because there's a lot of passages, one that immediately pops to mind, and we've talked about it here in this church several times over the last several months, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You know, that's a pretty good one. If I said, you know what, God, I'm going to do that, I think I'd be okay. I think I'd be like, you know what, I'm doing it. But the thing that I've been struggling with is I don't want someone else's vision statement. You know, I kind of want it to be my own. And so I guess what I'm going to do over the next couple minutes is I want to share a little bit with you um, just this morning about what I have been learning and what I have decided, and it's granted in progress, I'm sure, my vision statement and my mission statement. And, you know, I guess I'm not saying, everybody, you have to go home. I went written down. I went on a three-by-five card and handed to me at family camp next week, and then I will grade them and hand them back to you. You know, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just saying that for me, this has been a really um, kind of a powerful exercise in my life, and um, I would just encourage you, you know, look at your own life. Look at Scripture. Look at the things that you are learning and the things that you are seeing, and, um, and see whether this is something that God is calling you to do. Now, mine is easy to remember because it has worked out that it's four B's in a re. So I can remember that, four B's in a re. The first B is behold. Anybody who's been around very long knows that I love a good behold statement. And there are about, depending on which edition or which translation you're in and whatever, between 1,300 and 1,500 uses of the word behold in the Bible. And so, God says behold, what he's saying is, hey, hey, this is, a t this is important. I'm about to do something. Pay attention to what it is. Now, the scripture that I like about for behold coincidentally enough, does not have the word behold in it. So Luke 5.26 says, and this is, um, this is right after 
the story when um, the guy's friends lower him through the roof of the house so he can be healed, and Jesus heals him. And his disciples say, And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Although this doesn't say behold to me, or it doesn't say literally say behold, it says behold to me in the fact that it says to me that God is doing amazing things every day in my life. I'm just not paying attention. I'm not seeing what's going on. I'm wrapped up in my own head. I'm being a man. Um, and I'm just not seeing it. We, uh, have you all seen that meme where it says, um, it shows like a wilderness out in there, and the husband's like, hey, do you see that elk? And the wife is like, why can't you find the milk in the refrigerator? But you can see that elk. Anyway, this is kind of the story of my life right now. Um, so my first one is Behold. And it's paying attention to the amazing things that God is doing in my life every day. The second B is, and my wife will know this one because it's my favorite verse. You know it? It's from Exodus 14, 14, be still. And in chapter 14 of Exodus... Um, the Israelites have just gotten to the Red Sea and they've been following the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud and God has said, you know what? I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart one last time. I'm going to send all the armies after you. So I want you guys to camp right here and just watch and see what's going to happen. So again, there's a little bit of a behold going on here as well. And... Um, when you get into 14, it says, when Pharaoh drew near, I'm at 14, verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians." For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. Some translations say silent. Some translations say quiet. But my favorite is be still. There are several other, and I didn't count them up like I counted up the 1,400 instances of behold. There are several other instances of be still in the Bible used in various ways. But this one to me um, just points out that I have a reason that I can be still. Because in the middle of whatever's going on, when Pharaoh's armies are chasing me to the brink of the ocean, I can be still and the Lord's going to fight for me. So I have behold, be still. The third one, and possibly the most controversial, because it may be the hardest, I don't know, be still may be hardest, 
um, be holy. Several times throughout Scripture, we are told, be holy as I am holy. And that's not me talking or Paul talking or your mother talking. That is God talking into my life saying, be holy as I am holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. To me, you know, I said earlier, the difference between a vision statement and a mission statement is the mission one I'm doing now, the vision one I want to do. I feel like this one is more of a vision one because I don't know that I do a great job being holy. Um, I've been reading books and studying this for many, many years, and um, it's a challenge. And I think it's a challenge for a lot of us, you know, because when you look at be holy, you know, I, kept, I keep thinking back to Exodus 14. You know, not only was there behold in there and there was be still in there, but ultimately where those people were going from there was to spend 40 years following God in the wilderness, and in the middle of that, he's going to say, here's what you need to do to be holy. And that was the lesson they were going to learn. And that was a lesson in my own life. So I have behold, be still, be holy, and the fourth one, be brave. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 is a pretty famous passage. And I don't have it memorized, but I can read it to you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 says, and this is right after, this is at the other end of this journey that the Israelites are on. We saw God parting the Red Sea so the Israelites could cross. Right here, the Israelites are crossing the Jordan River under the leadership of Joshua. And he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as with Moses, so I will be with you. This is God talking to Joshua. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Um, there's also another one in Luke, again, chapter 5 verse 10 that says, do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And this is right after the calling of the first disciples. But the sense of be brave, I shared this quote, man, it's probably been two months ago now, from Elizabeth Elliot that says, sometimes fear does not subside, and one must choose to do it afraid. And to me, this is bravery. And you know, when I read these stories of the Israelites and I read these stories of the first disciples and I read all these stories where God is like, do not be afraid. I have a hard time believing all those people are like, okay, I'm not afraid. I'm going to just do it. Now, there were probably some, 
But I have to believe that the vast majority of them, fear did not subside, and one must choose to do it afraid. Because again, they know that they have a holy, powerful, mighty God, that if he says do this, they can trust in him to do that thing. So I have my four B's. I have behold, be still, be holy, and be brave. And who remembers what my last one is? Four B's and a, a re. Remember. Um, I will tell you, up until a couple weeks ago, I just had four B's and it felt more, you know, clean to me. But then I sat here in church one week and Jason pointed out that there's a re that I need to keep in mind. Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So to me, it's interesting, the tie between behold and remember, is, it's, it's a strong bond, you know, because behold is that sense of pay attention to what's going on around you and see what God is doing Remembering is pay attention to all the stuff that God has done in your life. And if you'd been paying attention, you saw it. If you didn't, you look back and went, oh. And the thing is, and both of these for those of us with children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, other people in our lives, we have this responsibility according to God's word to point these things out to people to our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and our neighbors and whatever to say, hey, this is what God's doing in my life today. I saw this happen. I beheld this. Oh, and I remember this time when God did this thing in my life. And through the mighty, awesome power of God, these things happened. And so behold and remember, it's like past and future tense of the same thing. Not really. The English teachers in the room are cringing right now because I said that. But in some sense, it's true. So, I guess in conclusion, to I've, I struggled with how to wrap this up, to be honest with you. Um, you know, God has called each of us to live individually, and he's called each of us to live intentionally. And I guess... You know, it's pretty easy, I think, to wander through life. I, I, I had a revelation, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. I don't know if it was a revelation or if it finally clicked in my head. You know, they always say, and I, there may be a reason why they say this, and, and John and I can correct me when I'm wrong. They all, you always hear that the Israelites were lost in the wilderness for 40 years. They were not lost. God knew where they were and knew where they were going and what they were doing. And he had the plan 
And he had the whole process, and he had the map, and he's like, okay, well, we're going to go here, and then we're going to go do that. They may have felt lost. They weren't lost. God knew where they were. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's how our life is. You know, I might, I might feel like, oh, I'm just wandering through life. You know, I show up here on Sunday morning. We sing some songs. Sometimes a barbershop chorus shows up. You know, a bunch of people in bow ties show up and say, oh, what's going on? But God wants us to live our life intentionally. God wants us to really, really say, you know what? And whether it's Deuteronomy 6, where I'm just going to live these things and teach these things to my kids, or whether it's, you know, I mean, there are, there are countless, you know, simple little passages in here that you can read and you can go, oh, that speaks to me. And so my encouragement for today is live intentionally. Think about God as speaking to you, how he's speaking to you, what he's speaking to you, and live that, and let that be your mission and your vision. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll see if Hannah and Beth want to come up, and we'll sing one closing song. So let's pray. Father God, as, as we look at your word, and as we read these stories, and as we hear these things that we've heard for our whole life, Father, you know, be holy is not news to us. We all kind of know that, Lord, but um, to intentionally live that is a little bit harder just as it is to be bold and to be strong and to be still. Father God, but we thank you that we can trust in you as the creator and the ruler of the universe. We thank you that we can um, boldly go where you would have us go. Father, I just pray now that you would just speak in our lives over the coming weeks. Father, that as we open your word, that you would open our hearts to what you would call us to how you would have me live, Lord God, and how you would have me um, live for you. Father, we just thank you for your word, and I pray now that you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand, please, as we sing.